0: Okay, we're learning Daflamid Aleph, top of the Amad. No the Somebody takes a net there. He's not going to benefit from those who are Shavis and Shavuot, from the people who rest on Shavis. So the question is, who are those people? So the Mishnah says, also Yisrael, also Kusim." He can't get benefit from regular Jews, and he can't get benefit from the Kusim. Just understand who the Kusim are. So in the time of, um, the, time of the 10 tribes, they were exiled, kicked out of Yudan Shomron. So what happened was is that uh, there were empty pockets of land. So Melech Ashur decided to bring in other people to live there, and they converted to Judaism. But the question is, is that even though they converted and they were Jews, but they still retained many many of their pagan beliefs, of like the Zara, so on and so forth. But saw they were Jews, you know, and um, on some level, they were definitely religious. The Gemara quips at some points that whatever the Kusim kept, ironically, they used to be more more strict about than the regular Jews. So like, they didn't keep everything, but whatever they kept, they kept. So they kept Shabbos, and therefore the din is, if you take a neder from the Shavu's you're also to benefit from the kusim. Somebody takes a neder not to have benefit from the people who eat garlic, also be Israelim, but be kusim, it's also to benefit from Jews and kusim. So who eats garlic? So it's a special Takana, the Gemarn, and Baba Kama says <clears throat> that on Friday night, a person is meant to eat garlic. The idea is that Friday night it was designed that me, the Chachamim was their oh no. It was a good time when they were home and they were, um, they were having relations with their wives. And garlic enhances the pertains, how potent the, the sperm is to make a child. And therefore, there was a takana that Ezra made that people should eat garlic on Friday night. So because of that, there was something which the Jews would do. And even the Kusim were on board with that. So if somebody takes a nether, Against those who eat garlic. It doesn't mean, oh, someone who you know, eats garlic on a Tuesday randomly. It means against those who have a minnow to eat the garlic on Shabbos. Somebody makes a nether, not to benefit from those who go to Yerushalayim. So also be swell Here, although he's also to the Jews because they're Ola Loregel, he's mutter to the Kusim. And it's just a very ironic point. They just didn't do it. They just weren't Ola Loregel, even though it's something they're supposed to do. So now the Gemara says, my Shosi Shabbos. What does it mean? <clears throat> when you say against those who rest on Shabbos, me if you say it goes against the people who are m'kayim Shabbos, meaning they they keep the laws, it's about people who keep the laws, Why kusim. Why only talking about kusim? I feel like we call even a guy. Why? Because guyim, although they don't have the mitzvah, they they could theoretically do it. I mean, they're not meant to keep everything, but let's say they do. Right? They could do it. So evidently, there are some guyim who do. So if there are some gayim who keep the Shabbos, so why shouldn't they be included as well? They are people who practically observe it as a day of rest. So it can't be that Chosei Shabbos means the people who rest on the Shabbos, because then gayim could be included. Shabbos, it must mean about the people who are commanded about Shabbos, meaning that it's not about the people who observe Shabbos, it's about the people who have a tzivoy, who are instructed from Makadosh Baruch to keep Shabbos. And that's why gayim are not included, because gayim don't have the tzivoy. So the Gemara asks, "Yachy, if that's the shot, he must say, what is the end of the Mishnah say? All the also be shomer sure, mutar Kuzim, somebody who took a vow, to but not to get benefit from those who are Regal, So it's also to benefit from Jews and mutar from kuzim. So amai, Tzum, Nenu, Even if the kuzim don't do it, but they're commanded. So if the meaning of the Mishnah is commanding anyone who's commanded to keep the Allaha, so then at the end of the Mishnah, kuzim are also commanded to be Regal, just they don't keep it. Elamai, <clears throat> we're going in circles because if you say it means to keep." So then, Shofse Shabbos should, should, could include Qayim as well if they keep the Shabbos. So basically, what we're trying to figure out is what does Shofse Shabbos mean? Those who observe Shabbos or those who are instructed about Shabbos? If it means to observe, Goyim should be included. If it means to who is commanded, then the Oli Ragalim, the Kusim, should be included as well. So the Gemara answers Amr Abayi, but Tzifa Katani, the Mishnah is only teaching about both people who are both commanded in and who practice and observe the commandment. That both connotations fit into the word. So, but In the first two cases, people who 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 are, who rest on Chavez or people who eat garlic, what does that mean? It means people. First of all, first of all, they they have the tzivoy, and second of all, they observe it. There, what would it didn't be? Kusim The Jews in the kusim are commanded, and they observe those laws. Even guys who do the Torah's laws, they might do it, but they're not commanded. They're not included. And at the end of the Mishnah, Be'olim regarding those who go to Yerushalayim, Yisrael and voice regular Jews, avid Sivoy and they practice it. But the kuzim, even though they're commanded to be Ola le'ragol for the three regalam, they don't practice it. They don't observe it. Therefore, they're excluded from the matter. So, bottom line is, you need both components. You need to be both mitzvah commanded to be to do it, and you need to be observing it. You need to actually do it. And that's why the Kusim, who aren't practically being Oler are Mutter, and the Goyim, even though they're practically being Shorv but since they're not commanded to do so, they're Mutter. Alright, now the Mishnah moves on. noach. Somebody says, Konam that I'm not going to be benefited from the children of Noach. What's the law? Mutter be Israel. That term, bnein noach, children of Noach, does not include Jews. The Gemara doesn't, this is actually a pretty famous thing. You know, we always call it the seven mitzvahs of Bnei Noach, right? Bnei Noach is a way of saying, not Jews. Why? Right? The you show me, Noach. Why aren't Jews included in the term of the children of Noach? I mean, we come from Noach, right? We're children of Shem. You yeah, have three children, right? Shem, Cham, and And uh, we definitely come from this. We come from Shem, right? Branched out to Avram Avinu, and then we're a descendant, but we're still ultimately a descendant of Noach. So why aren't we included in the term of Bnei Noach? says the Gemara given to Ikdash Avram, once Avram was sanctified, meaning Hashem calls him out, he singles Avram out, he gives him a special covenant, then Iskara Oshmeh were only called by Avram's name. We're not called by Noah's name. Meaning although technically our lineage does go to Noah, but it's as if it's starts from Avram. It's a complete new transformation. The simple shot in this is that there was like a little bit of a gearist that happened to Avram Avino. He was Macabo the Torah whatever level that means, before the Allah was given, but he was elevated, as the Gemara is saying. And from then and on, you know, he's transforming. There's a transformative power that happens. He's different. He's completely different. So all of his children from then and on are only the children of Avram. They are not the children of anyone before. (coughs) Okay. Next, Mishnah. Sheini, noel Lazara, Avram. Someone says, I'm not going to benefit from any of the children of Avram. And here in the opposite, also from Israel, it's also for all Jews. but it's motar to benefit from Ga'im. Why? Because Ga'im are not the children of Avram Avinu. Yishma, what about Arabs? Right? Our Arabs are the children of Avram Avinu. And for the Gemar, very you say this good thing. It says Bi Yitzhak means only through Yitzchak's descendants. Will, you be considered, will they be considered your children? Hashem is talking to Avram. And the Batzik is saying, it's only through your son Yitzchak that that will be your children. What do you mean? He also had other children, right? Taret says, no, there's a new din of Yichas. Fascinating din. Where Hashem is saying, only the children that come from Yitzchak will have a din that they're associated to their grandfather Avram. Other children, which Avram and Vinu will have, are not going to be associated from them. So therefore, you know, you have a lot of people come from Yishma, a lot of Arabs. They're not going to Avram. That's all. Why are we using lashon of zara versus B'nai? Noah? Great question. I'm assuming it's based upon the language of the pasuk. Sure. Right. The, but 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 it's tough because you know zara and B'nai. What would if somebody would say you know B'nai Avram? Right. I would assume it would be the same. I don't know. Continues the Gemara. So this is Mavish this week's It's a very interesting Gemara. What about Esav? Esav comes from Yitzchak, right? <clears throat> Him and Yaakov are twins. They come from. They come from Yitzchak, right? So how come all Romans aren't included in the Nether, Right? Romans come, all the Roman, all that stuff came from Asaph. So why aren't they included? It says the Gemara: Be Yitzchak, only in Yitzchak, but not all of Yitzchak. Meaning, there's an extra letter here at the base where there's a limitation. Only, only, um, only some of them, only some of them will have it, not not all. So we say that that is only going on Yaakov. On the children of Yaakov, come. Be Yitzchak in the Yitzchak at Nahadim. So there's a midrashic Rambam. You have to do this Rambam very geshmack from this week's parsha. It didn't say if it was which child. It just says some of the children of, of Yitzchak. It didn't say and not all of Yitzchak. Doesn't say if it Yaakov or Esau. So the Rambam adds that it was only at the time when Yaakov blesses. Yaakov was blessed by Yitzchak at the end of the parsha, and it says there that Yitil l'chab Avraham. What's v'yitini Birkas Avraham? So the Rambam, means this gemara. The birkas Avraham is that you are the singled out child who's going to get the this association to Avram and Vino. It was only at that point that it was like that. It's fascinating. He actually describes how, you know, that was the whole struggle for the bruchos and the, you know, the volume for their father's attention. That's what it was. Because it couldn't have been both. That's what it seems like. The possible limits here. Be Yitzchak, v'lobukol Yitzchak. And that's why it was such an important struggle. And ultimately Yitzchak gave it to Yaakov when he said v'itim l'chop, because Avram, because Avram meant our, din of our Okay, the Mishnah says she ain't an enemy Israel. Somebody says, I'm not going to benefit from Israel. He's not going to benefit from Jews. So what's the din? Shailah is, and this is a very fundamental question, when you do business, who is benefiting? The seller or the buyer? Or both. So the Shila is, if you're not allowed to benefit from Jews, because you do business with them. So the Mishnah says you could, but When you're the buyer, you have to buy higher than market value. So then it's not to find that you're taking on off. Because although you're getting home with the item, you overpaid for it. And if you're selling it, you have to undersell. Because if if you would sell for the fair price, then you might be considered that you're taking benefit. So it sounds like for the Mishnah that both at, when buyer and seller could be benefiting when it's at fair market value. And the only way if you're not allowed to benefit from Jews, the only way to do business would be to if you're the seller to over, to <clears throat> undersell and if you're the buyer to buy for a higher price. And <laughs> Let's say he makes a nether that no one else can benefit from him. So he, <clears throat> here he's saying, nobody else can have nether for my stuff. So then he buys a less than the market value and he sells it more. However, what's going to happen? No one's going to listen to him. No one's going to do business, right? If somebody answered everyone else from getting enough from him, he says, I'll only buy it if you sell it to me for cheaper than market value. I'll only sell it to you if you let me sell it to you for more than market value. No one's going to listen, right? So in that case, it probably won't work. Janine and a v. Angli. Let's say he said both ways. A corner, I'm not going to benefit from any Jews. And a corner, that no Jews can benefit from me. So then he's not going to be able to do business at all. Because whatever he does, something's being wrong. So you can only do business then with the guy. Okay, a brief introduction to the Gemara is that there are different ways you're a Shomer. There's a Shomer Chinom, you know, a uh, Shomer who's just watching something and not getting paid. There's a Shomer soccer who's getting paid for his watching. He's not using the item, he's not allowed to. But <clears throat> the Shomer Sacher is paid to watch He has some benefit from the watching But then we have a Shoah A Shoah is borrowing an item So he's guarding it on the highest level Because Kola no shalom. All the benefit in this arrangement is to him Because he's not paying for it right? And He's just borrowing it and He's going to return it So the big discrepancy is that in, uh, The law is that when someone, If you're borrowing something And an unavoidable um, oness happens To the item You have to pay But a Shomer Sacher does not have to pay for, for onzim only a shoal has to pay for onsen. And again, the shoal is defined that he's kolan ashallah, all the benefit is there. So the Gemara says, somebody's taking a kli from the uman to go inspect it. Meaning, let's say you're at the diamonds market and you see a diamond you like. So you didn't pay for it yet, it didn't, didn't become yours, but you take it from the vendor and you go bring it over to someone to inspect it and see if it's real. And then ask, and something happens while it's still in your possession. So very interesting. What is, what, what's your status at that time? You haven't bought the diamond yet. You've taken it off, you know, away from the shop, over to the expert to go investigate exactly what his value is. In that moment, we say that you're considered to be like a bower and chayv. If anything happens to the diamond, even if it's un, unavoidable, you know, a mistake, something which, which, which is a complete onus, you're still liable. <coughs> a sale is all to the benefit of the buyer. Meaning to say that when business is conducted, all of the benefit is the buyers, not the sellers. It's always good for the guys getting the item. I mean, obviously, it seems like a funny statement because you pay for it. But it means that the source of paying, of getting the opportunity to pay for it and get it, all the pleasure in it, the benefit is defined by the act of getting the item. So therefore, if I'm taking it off the shelf to go show somebody, even though I'm not using it, I'm not wearing the ring, it's all my benefit in that moment. Why? Because I'm the prospective buyer. And whenever you're, you're taking it, in order to perhaps purchase it. So then it's considered in that moment that not just that you have a side benefit perhaps from the item in that time, it's considered that it's completely for your benefit. If the seller would be benefiting from the sale as well, it wouldn't be that way. Then you wouldn't be like a borrower. Maybe you'd be like you have a benefit, but not, you wouldn't be high for own sim. The only reason you're high for own sim, we say, is because um, all of the benefit is to the buyer. Since all the benefit is to the buyer, so therefore we say, um, that if anything happens while he's taking the diamond to inspect, he is liable. That's the that's our analysis of Shmuel's statement. So the Gemara says, "Well, what about our Mishnah? Sh- our Mishnah seemed to imply both ways. It could be Tana n- 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 and n- The guy 'Kohen, I'm not going to benefit from the Jews. Molch er, He sells for less than the value. Sends, why is he selling for less?'" Why? Because if he would sell for fair market value, the seller would be getting benefits. So we see that at a normal sale, he can't sell regularly, but Shmuel is right that whenever a sale happens, it's only the benefit of the buyer, if he lives Shavu Shavu Shavu, then the vower should be allowed to sell even at a normal price. The vower said, I'm not going to benefit from the Jews, right? So. What precludes him from selling at a regular price? If it's true, like Shmuel says, that all the benefit of a sale is to the buyer. So what do I see? I see that benefits of a sale are mutual. The buyer and the seller both benefit against what Shmuel said, because then the buyer, the prospective buyer, in the case of the diamond, he wouldn't be a show-out where all the benefit is to him. He would just be like a by soccer, where he has some benefit. So the Gemara answers, My season was Vina Dara'al Mapeh. Our mission was dealing with a merchandise that just happened to have a very low demand. If the merchandise had no <clears throat> at, a, at a very low demand, so then we say that selling it at a regular price would benefit the seller. Only in such a case where it's very hard to sell it do we say that the seller has benefit. But in a regular case where it's average and, 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 and there will be people who will buy it, so then the seller is not considered to have benefit at all. Zakhti so, what did you just tell me? That the mission is dealing with merchandise that is very low demand and therefore the benefit is to the seller. But Ima Ratio, what did the ratio say? <coughs> the ratio said, and presumably, we're talking about the same thing a low demand that you buy it at more than its value. So, if the Mishnah is dealing with an item that is a low demand, it should be muttered to buy it even at the right price. Because if it has a low demand, then only the seller is going to benefit. So, what's the shot that the Mishnah is saying that, 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 that if he can't benefit from the Jews, not only is the law that, and that, that what it would not else, is, not only is the law that he undersells, but we said And for the only reason we said and not fair value is because we happen to be talking about something that is low demand so then in terms of buying why is that true? If it has low demand the buyer should always be mutter to buy it it's the seller who's going to benefit if it has low demand Furthermore we're going to show the Mishnah's not talking about something with low demand they must save a look at the end of the Mishnah If somebody said that other Jews can't benefit from me so the law is that he's he's uh low he buys for less than the value. He sells for more. So what's shot? Even if it's pay for dealing with merchandise, that is a very low demand. If you shove Then it should be mutter to sell even at the right price for the value. Because again, if we're talking about that as low demand, then the buyer's not benefiting. So the ratio we established was talking about selling that is low demand. So then the Seifa makes no sense. If other Jews can't benefit from me. So then the buyer's not, in that case, the buyer won't benefit if it has low demand. So it should be muttered to sell at the price of the value. So the Gemara answer is safe of its vino harifa. You're right. The end of the, of the Mishnah is only talking about with merchandise that is a very high demand. In other words, something which is fast selling. That's why it's a benefit for the buyer. Frank, the Gemara, we're going in circles because if the end of the Mishnah is talking about that it has high demand, why does the Mishnah say that the no that there buys less than the value? We should be muttered to buy even at the price of the value. In other words, clearly the only way to learn the Mishnah is that it, it's not specifically low demand; it's not specifically high demand. The case is just it's a regular sale, and a regular sale benefits both parties. That's really the only way to understand. So the like Gemara says, Ella, rather, you're right." As decent bizvina mitzah, our mission is dealing with a regular demand, and in an a regular demand, this is very important in economics. It's like in a regular demand, regular prices, everybody's benefiting, both the buyer and the seller. That's the concept, and that's why. If you have a other people should benefit from you, that you shouldn't have a benefit from other people. That's why we have all these problems at the regular price. Hi, Shmuel's statement then. How does Shmuel's statement make sense? That when you're buying, you're a prospective buyer and you take it out of the store to show somebody, why do we consider that all the benefit is yours? The answer is, Shmuel was talking about a merchandise with a high demand. Meaning it was a rare diamond <coughs> that if you don't buy it, somebody else will jump up and buy it. That's where Shmuel said, you're like a show so in a regular case, where it's regular demand, regular price, regular demand, everybody's benefiting, the buyer and the seller. That's our mission. Shmuel, who said you're liable if something happens to the diamond when you went to show it to somebody else, he was talking about it as such a diamond where it was exceedingly high demand. And because of that, it's considered all the benefit is to the one who's going to buy it. The seller's not really considered; that like, He's benefiting from the sale because he'll sell it to somebody else. And obviously, it doesn't mean he's not benefiting by receiving money. That's not the point. But the point is, it's not this sale that's the benefit. He could very easily sell it to somebody else. So it's not defined that he's getting benefit from this sale. So El-Khanami, what comes out a very interesting thing is that if it would be such a high diamond, and this let's say the vower was the seller, he'd be allowed to sell it. Even if he vowed not to take on off from people, he could sell them this rare diamond. That's what would come out. The Mishnah is talking about regular demand, regular price, regular, regular everything, which benefits both parties. That's why the Mishnah said... All these things you can't sell regularly. Shmuel, when he said kol for the buyer, we're talking about an item of high demand. Says in the Shmuel price?" says like Shmuel, and Atagar." Somebody buys Kalim from a merchant, the Shagun and he's trying to send them to his father-in-law's house. What does that mean? So I'm buying a gift, and I don't know what my father in laws going to like. It's tough. So what do I do? I buy a gift, and I stipulate as follows: I say to the merchant, many," if they're going to like the gift, then what? Then they're mine, and I'm paying you for them. Him laugh. But if my father-in-law doesn't like what I brought over, and I don't want it, so then I'm going to pay you only a very small amount—the amount of that was the value of the good grace, the benefit that my, you know my in-laws like that I tried getting them a present. So let's say it's um, let's say whatever it is, you know, it's, a, it's it's a certain certain type of food. So I I don't know if he's going to like it. So if I say, if he likes it, I'm paying you for it, and it's mine. And if he doesn't like it not buying it, I'm just gonna give you a small tip for letting me use you know, the food to try to get my in-laws good graces. Okay, so what's the halacha now? So now I'm taking the food over there, so is it mine or not? So I'm kind of a watchman, that's what I am, I'm my. So what's the halacha ba'ali If something unavoidable, they were destroyed on the way over there, These obligated to pay the seller the full price. Right. Why? Because you were a potential buyer. While you were going, it was potential that your father was gonna like it and you were gonna be a buyer. Therefore, the benefit is all to the son-in-law. And, and therefore, his responsibility is on the level of a borrower. And he's chayev. He would be chayev if something happened. However, Bechazarev, let's say the father-in-law didn't like it. And he was returning home. Then what's the halacha? Then at that point, he's putter. He's not obligated to pay the full price. Why? He's just like a shomer Sacher. He's not like a shoah. He's not all the benefit to him at that point. Why? Because he's not buying. He's not a prospective buyer anymore at that point. So while he's going... He has the shame of a prospective buyer. Prospective buyer is considered all the benefit of to him. That's like what Shmuel was saying, because once he's coming back, he's not going to buy it anymore. So then, then, he's only like a paid shomer. He's not like um, he's not like a, 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 a show. Up. So this supports what Shmuel said that just like Shmuel takes someone who's taking items from the seller and he's thinking about buying them, is like like is like a, like a bower or so too. Now the Rishonim just point out we have to say that the thing he was taking to his father-in-law's house was an item of very high demand. Because we already said, Shmuel's idea <coughs> that you consider it like a Shoal is only when the item is particularly high demand. If it's a regular item, it's not like that. Okay, now the Gemara says his story. Oh safsira. A Safsira is the middleman, the middleman of business. He doesn't, you know what they do is they don't have supply. But what they try to do, it's like, you know, it's like he, he's like a retailer basically, but he's on the go. So he's a middleman, is a Zabune. So he took a donkey from his friend. his friend owned donkeys, and he took a donkey from his friend to sell, below his pin, but he wasn't able to sell. So what's the idea of taking the donkey? He didn't buy the donkey. He takes the donkey and he says, "If I find the customer, then I'll buy it from you at a certain price in order profit. but if not, I'm just going to return it to you." Maybe, I don't know, maybe he has to pay a dollar or so a day, you know, to have that, to have that fee. So, but he, again, he's a potential buyer. That's what the middleman is. He might be buying it if he finds a customer to sell it to So what happens is it didn't sell. He's returning the donkey to the owner's house. and onus happened and the, and the donkey got destroyed. Rev Nachman said that the middleman has to pay. So Rev Nachman is considering the middleman, to be like a shoel, to be like a borrower, even though at this point he's not interested in buying it, right? He's returning it at this point. So the Gemara says, why? With that case with the father-in-law, the gift to the father-in-law's house, you're only considered a prospective buyer when you were bringing it to the father-in-law because maybe he was going to like it and you were going to buy it. And that's where you have to pay for an onus. But on the way home, where you're certainly not buying it, you're not like a shoel and you don't have to pay if an onus happens. So over here too, when the middleman is, ret- he didn't find the customer. So when he's returning the donkey, he should not. He should no longer be considered like a, like a show What's going on? So Amaleh, Rav Nachman defends. The return trip here is just like going. Why? If you would find the customer even at the entrance to the home, wouldn't he sell it? So meaning there's a fundamental difference. When you're bringing the gift to the father-in-law's house, as soon as your father-in-law didn't want it, you're no longer a prospective buyer. Your only reason to buy it was because you wanted to give that gift to your father-in-law. So therefore, as soon as you're on your way back, you're no longer a show-up. Whereas over here, you're a middleman, you're looking for any customer you can possibly get. So you never stop from being a prospective buyer. So therefore, if an onus happens, even right before you know you're going to walk in to return the donkey, you're always still considered to be a show and therefore you're going to pay. So in conclusion, regular sales, the benefit is both to the buyer and the seller, as we see that impacts the laws on the darm. Shmuel has a new halacha, and when you're buying an item of very high demand, what's the law? The law is all of the halacha is considered to be of the buyer. And in that moment, therefore, when you're investigating something of very high demand to see if you're going to buy it, you'd be considered a Shoal, and if an onus happens, you would be Chayef. Continues the Mishnah. Somebody says, I'm, I'm, uh, I'm not going to benefit from someone who's an Oral. An Oral means someone who's uncircumcised. So the Mishnah understands that he doesn't mean literally the people in the world who have a Prismillah or not. He means Jews. He's mutter to get benefit even from uncircumcised Jews, they are not considered arelem. he's also got benefit from a non-Jew, even if the non-Jew is as circumcised. Really interesting, so he said he's not going to get benefit from the Araelim, but it turns out it has nothing to do with prismillah. Araelim is simply a term for a, for, for a non-Jew. The non-circumcised, that's the terminology, and therefore even an uncircumcised Jew is mother, and a circumcised non-Jew is also. Let's say he said the opposite, I'm not going to get any benefit from the people who are circumcised. So then also, it's forbidden for him to get benefit from an uncircumcised Jew. Um, from a, and the pshat is because they're still considered a Muslim, right? They're under the, the category of, of, of those who are of Bersamillah. Well, it's mother for him to get benefit from circumcised non-Jews. The term of our law is only used to describe Goyim. It has nothing to do with literally if there's foreskin there. Now, obviously, this is just because that's the way people speak, right? Obviously, a Jew needs to have a bris milah. It's not, You can't learn this mission and be like, oh, I see, a had to, I don't actually have to get prismillah. Because even if I don't get Prismila, I'm considered circumcised. Right? That, that's obviously ludicrous. The point is that in the terminology, in the way that it's referred to, we refer to Yidin as mulim, uh, because generally, khal are are the ones who are meant to get Prismila. Where do we see this? All the nations are are'elim. As the, 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 the Yisrael are uncircumcised in their heart, meaning their thoughts are impure. But basically, we're saying <coughs> all of the men of the nations are uncircumcised. Clearly, it's not like that literally. So we take out from the Pasuk this language idea that Aralus refers to Guy. It says this uncircumcised Aral. Ar- 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 uh, the uncircumcised Plishti. So again, we see that Aral is just used as a way of saying a Guy. Omer, third Passock, Penis of knows Plishtim. We don't want the daughters of the Plishtim to rejoice. We don't want the daughters of the uncircumcised ones to be happy. So we're calling, you see, Arelim and Plishtim are interchangeable. The foreskin is a repulsive thing. The wicked people are degraded through it. It's like the worst thing. It's like a derogatory term. They're Arelim. So you see, that's how bad the shame of the arla is. So now we're going to conclude with a lot of positives about the Indian of Brismila. Mila. Rabbi Allah, Mila, the mitzvah mila is great. Shalosh There are 13 different covenants that are made for it. So if you look at in the parish of Lakalha, when Avram is getting all the bris mila, it says the word bris 13 different times, which is an amazing idea. We know that uh, the whole the, the whole point of the 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 echad, achtos, the the of achtos, echad is 13, the gigamidos. Thirteen is the way that we, we connect to our other' Baruch That's the Indian of Yod Gimel Brisos. That the 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 the, the, the that we take, the brisk Milah, makes us completely like in this deep deep bind with our Kodesh Baruch Continues the Gemara B'yos. He could be Docha Shabbos, right? We know that's Talacha. That we do bris mila at an ete even if it's Shabbos. Moshe wasn't spared even for one hour, meaning Moshe Rabbeinu delayed. We're going to see giving a bris mila to his son. And even though he's Moshe Rabbeinu, but delaying bris mila so severe that he wasn't spared at all. He was going to get punished and killed on the spot. It overrides the law of Saras, if there's Saras on the Arla, normally you're Israel right to cut off Taras, but you still cut off the Makam amila, even if there's Saras there. Rabbi Omer HaGadol all the mitzvah vino did, Shalim Sholem HaShemal, he was not called complete until he gave himself first meal. Shanammar is saw is a laikhlif anaiva walk in front of him and be complete. So it's referring to Brasmila. So we see that he wasn't a shalom, he wasn't complete until the Brasmila. Tabah Akhar, another point, Gadola Mila, is Mila's great, Shal If not for Brasmila, I've created the world. Shanama kwa shamma lobriam of lahuka's from my bars low santi. So it's only because of my covenant that the world can, can, can work. And we say it's referring to. The, the bris mila the covenant of Mila, And if it were, if, if it were not for uh, If it were not for the, the bris mila Then the world would not be able to, to assist me Okay, we'll stop here